Martijn. Hi, Stel. Hi. Hello. Good afternoon. And good morning to you as well, Nikki. Um, hi, everyone. Um, welcome to this session on the future of work and the future of workplaces. And we will talk about the future, but maybe the future is already here because, of course, the disruption due to COVID-19, the future is fast forwarding and it's maybe already around the corner or is here. So that's what we're going to discuss today. Uh, a very warm welcome, of course, uh, to the panel, which I will introduce to you, of course, and a very warm welcome to the audience. And thanks to Team W and all the sponsors for having us on this session today and here uh, live at Team W Transform Conference. Um, a practical note, uh, on the right, you see a chat. And if the audience has a question, you can post a question up there and use at Q&A. And there's also a moderator, Roman is here to assist and help us on the back channel. Hi, Roman, welcome to you as well. And if there are any issues or other questions, please uh, ask a question also on the chat to Roman related to technical issues or otherwise. So I want to jump in um, the content, of course. I want to jump in the conversation. Um, so I want to introduce to you from New York, it's Nikki Greenberg. Nikki is founder and, uh, of Real Estate for the Future Network, but also founder of Women in PropTech. And I think I've met Nikki a year ago here on Epicenter in Amsterdam, where she launched the Women in PropTech together with a panel discussion with Stephanie as well, by the way. Here in Amsterdam, she launched the, the Women in PropTech Network for Europe, uh, as she is from New York and originally from Australia with a background in architecture. So we have two architects here in the room today. Um, also here, Martijn Roording, uh, founder and CEO of Spaces. So we're gonna talk about uh, his, well, his business model, his working model around uh, near home working, of course, in light of uh, what's happening today uh, in, in, in work and workplaces. And Stephanie is also in the room. Stephanie is uh, founder and CEO of Aka Architects, and architects, Aka Architects, sorry, Stephanie, is about workplace interaction. And Stephanie is about workplace interaction expert herself. So today is about the future of work and workplaces, as I said. And well, we are used now uh, we, uh, because of uh, COVID-19 to working at home. Um, for some, it's, 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 it's a blessing. For some, it's not because, uh, well, not everybody has a proper environment to work at home and some are working in the closet or uh, are working at a kitchen table, kids are playing around, stuff like that. But also we see in, in data points that for many of us, the, the, the part of the concentrating, uh, concentrated work is, is improving uh, when we work at home. And also all the managers and leaderships of big firms are quite surprised by the disruption and that companies still can perform, employees can perform, and teams can perform. On the other end, some uh, big companies are already leaving the motherships. I remember after a couple of weeks, the CEO of Barclays already said, what's the point of having 20,000 people in buildings like uh, one CP on Canary Wharf, for example, where 20K plus people work in one building and go up in the elevator every day. And that's kind of a challenge as well, going up in elevators in tall buildings for work. 
So Stephanie, a question for you, because your company is about, uh, your work is about um, designing workplaces, designing offices for interactions. And you believe that interactions are seeds of innovation, as you described it. And I saw also on your, your TED talks where you uh, really are enthusiastic about uh, the, in, the interactions and why are they important. Um, in, in the light of what's happening today, what is exactly the point still of having an office? Yeah, that's the question that everybody's asking. You know, we we look at interactions are being as being the seeds of innovation because, um, you know, you look at the state of the world and we have arrived at a, at a point where our collective knowledge uh, worldwide is not about going in silos and expertises anymore as much as it is about connecting the dots across uh, different disciplines. And for that to happen, interactions are really the starting point. And, you know, when I say interactions are the seeds of innovation, I'm really referring to innovation as any form of added value. Um, anything that adds value is under the big giant umbrella of innovation, whether that's a social encounter that has a positive impact or solving climate change, right? So it's a huge scale we're working with. Um, you know, the idea of having uh, an office, maybe the answer is in that word. Is it about having an office or is it about having a place of encounter? You know, you look at work in itself has a number of different interactions, some very obvious like meeting, uh, focused work, uh, brainstorms, uh, presentations, show and tell, all of that. You have, you know, the work interactions, you have the social interactions, the coffee, the lunch break, the unplanned uh, bumping into each other, whether in corridors, at the water cooler, etc. And then you also have um, individual interaction. Individual dynamics are also forms of interaction, such as focused work. And that's something we normally don't really think about. You also have the nonverbal interaction. So a conversation is kind of what's top of mind for most people when they think about interaction. But actually, uh, a look across the office or he overhearing something are all different forms of interactions. And those do not happen when, you know, they're not, when, when they can't happen when they're planned. So, you know, you look at our, our way of working now, the work itself might be, even be improving in its quality. If you think of, you know, the, the efficiency of meetings because you come in, you know, you're straight into the topic online, of course, and then you're out, or uh, the 40 minute uh, limit on the, the, the free accounts of Zoom, for example, that kind of forces you to have a 40 minute meeting and then you're done, which is not a bad thing. Um, What's missing is the stuff around the work, right? You also mentioned the study that shows focus work has improved. What we're missing is the stuff around the work, the, the unplanned interactions, the, the bumping into someone, the ideas that kind of are sparked by, uh, by serendipity, really. Um, your team manager or team member that is sitting in an office with the door open that you can just pop in. And, you know, if you have to send an email for everything or plan a call for everything, the moment has passed. Um, so th those kind of smaller things are, are, are a bit missing. And so maybe it's not about, you know, having the office as a place of work where everything happens, but having that place where we can meet and we can kind of cross path and then diverge again would be, um, would be the best, uh, I think, you know, to, to experiment with, of course, as well. Um, the other thing that is very interesting is this, you know, 
besides the tragic reasons around COVID and how it happened and the consequences of it, purely from, uh, let's say, in, in a scientific perspective and in the world of work, it's giving us a, a global experiment in new ways of working or in working from home. You know, the, the whole world has worked from home for an extended period of time. And that is an experiment that you would have never had if you wanted to plan it. Um, so looking at that and looking at what can we learn, very briefly what we can learn, you know, we've gone into that in details with, with clients and stuff, but very briefly, our spectrum of choices has been expanded. What we thought was impossible actually works to a certain extent. I'm not saying it's ideal and it's different for different people, but to a certain extent it works. And now our responsibility is we have been given more choice. How do we choose wisely and how do we move forward? And it has to happen through learning by doing and, and, and iterative uh, processes and it, it can't be a one answer and you expect it to work and it will yeah yeah Th thank you thank you for that uh, already and and i think that that's um an, uh, also input for discussion because i think when you uh, want to experiment with workplaces and experiment with that interactions commercial real estate itself is fixed and in terms of of, of leasing offices are fixed uh, workplace designs are fixed and are have, uh, heavily investments and uh, in capex are needed for a workplace itself. So experimenting uh, with new ways of working and balancing and 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 uh, homeworking and having real estate as a big giant that is fixed at the moment, that's a challenge in itself. I think. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and I think we all. All the in different industries around that world of work have, have to kind of experiment and, and let go and try as, as architects have to design things differently. Real estate, you know, even contracts and leases may have to be drawn up differently. We have to, and, and I don't think we have the answers. We barely know what questions to ask almost, right? Yeah. You have to really focus on asking the right questions first and then experiment with the answers. Yeah. And, and that flexibility and that comfort with uncertainty is not something we are usually used to. So it's really a, a call for all the different professionals and expertises around this world to, and organizations themselves, right? Managers and yeah. CEOs and the C-suite. And how do we become more flexible and how do we experiment? Um, the, the, word, the, the word crisis, which this has been called over and over again, actually has its root in, in yeah. decision-making. Yeah. And I find that really, really interesting that the root of the word crisis means decision. And, you know, you look at this as a point of decision, right? What are we going to do from now on? Go to the, back to the old normal, create a new normal, uh, fix it, be, you know, become more control freaks or open up to really experimenting and iterating and letting things come and go and learning as we go, which is a scary perspective. Yeah. But in my opinion, it's the only one that has a chance of working. Yeah. Yeah, I agree to that. Uh, Martijn, what's your take on, uh, on, uh, on, on experiments of flexibility in, in commercial real estate? The only part what we know is stable is our home in asset class. <laughs> the rest is we don't know. Uh, it's, it's a unique acceleration of, I think, from a behavior perspective, maybe from a humanized perspective, an ideal one, because now you have your own choice. You have the acceptance of managers who have to deal with it. So it's not about you have to come to work. If you're not present, you're not working. It's a uniqueness of, of, of change management. So I, the security, privacy, so all the governance and legislations about behavior around an office had, had to change by the momentum of now. And that is, I think, unique. 
Look, looking to the office itself, as Stephanie said, is it's about, from my perspective, the office is just, uh, and maybe it's a general world, is the community center, is just about a place where you go to for inspiration, for energy, for ideally better services than you have at home. And I always said when I started Spaces is my world is about going by bike to my workplace near home and uh, coming home. A sense of feeling of coming home is a unique feeling because then it starts a new momentum of the day. If you're all day long at your home, the structure of behavior in your home will change and the structure of, of also the the creativity within your brains is, is, is misses something. You need air, you need lightning, you need dynamics, you need frustration, you need any humanized elements to get change in your mind that also drives, let's say, your performance. Looking to spaces, is, we started spaces as work near home. Our first location was really about let's create, let's make a uh, a place call it an office, but make a place which becomes a destination for people to come freely to. Because there is great coffee, unique environment, unique art, good music, uh, unique events, but mainly the driver was social interaction. And the choice of courses, but it is more the asset class which, which needs to change, is the investment structure. Uh, traditionally, ah. asset class of, of office is about a yield, which, which means it's X times the value of a rental contract and our essence was always a spaces should be based as a business so how much money can i make out of that place with any service which you can imagine and of course i had the last 15 years and also i think maybe nikki and stephanie same if discussions with the municipality about how can you make something non-permanent and adaptable and better usable and i think later on if we go to nikki about prop tech is the performances of insulation the performances of the internal mm -hmm. level of an office how can we improve those so we indeed can change buildings and adapt buildings during time because you know, there's also a, a choice and a a momentum if do we have enough inventory of real estate and do we need to redevelop them to a newer stage of how we're going to use it. Yeah, yeah. Because we are used to build new and new and new and then see what happens with the old ones. Re the reinvention of the new workplace was about the corporate creating huge, huge fields of sardines where a lot of people are sitting in a very open area. And yeah. now, of course, it will be maybe changed to silos again because people are now used to more privacy. Yeah. So I yeah. think this is an acceleration of anything which I think the humanized level of we now can talk about is it's a great moment to create quality. Yeah. And, and talking about quality and going back to the, the, the workplace interactions uh, and we will dive in, into business models as well and, and technology later on, but going uh, into interactions, some companies and, and there are good examples like GitHub is already uh, was remote working only before the crisis. Yeah. So some companies thrive when remote working why can't we all remote work then if some companies do and do successfully? I, ideally, ideally, you will have an app like Parkby. So look, it's check in, check out, and you can go in any place based on the availability and based on who was there, based on what services, based on where you are, and you're willing to pay a price for using a private space, a meeting space, an open space, a whatever space. 
So if you look to, I think there are about uh, 1.9 billion people who can work anywhere in the world based on uh, their laptop and their telephone. If they're all mm -hmm. going to behave in that way that they will check in, check out in a building, you will see definitely an improved occupancy because my frustration, for example, is an office building is average from eight till six, eight till seven, there are people into the building. So 50% of the time, there's nobody there. There's a no. huge, huge yeah. building where nobody is doing anything. We have, to become, we have yeah. to become smarter. Yeah. And ideally, you create a 24-7 within a building. Yeah. And Stephanie, for, from, from your perspective, but also Nikki, from perspective of an architect, you design buildings and workplaces that are 16 hours a day are empty. What are we going to do with that? Yeah, shame on you guys. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, one of the, you, you yeah, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, well, I mean, one of the restrictions is, and this is something I've been um, talking to people about. You know, especially I'm very involved in the um, the ULI, the Urban Land Institute, heading up the Technology and Innovation Council alongside Drew Pollock, who a lot of you know. And one of the things we've been talking about is, you know flexibility and the type of permitted use. So I'll give the example of New York at the moment, because at the moment, nobody really wants to be going into these high rise dense offices for, you know, for obvious reasons. So, you know, I looked into, I looked into it. I said, okay, well, what if somebody wants to rent out an apartment because everybody's working from home anyway and make that their permanent workspace. And the mm -hmm. problem is that the legislation restricts it, that you can't do that. So, yeah. you know, it's it's zoning, it's a type of permitted use. If there was, and, and I'm hoping that there will be some flexibility and leeway in the change of permitted use, because the reality is that we now have a change in the types of spaces that we need. We yeah. don't need as much office space in the center of the city. And to Martin's point, like, wow, like wouldn't we rather have that office space close to home or more homes, you know, close to the office? So let's, let's rethink things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was that was going to be my point. You you know, we can dream and dream all we want and we have only to kind of hit a wall of licenses and, and permissions. And, you know, there is some there is some leeways within that. For example, a lot of spaces in Amsterdam are, are also kind of renting event spaces. So that extends the use a little bit into the evening, sometimes on the weekend, but we're far from a 24 seven. Yeah. If you look to work life balance, we created a, let's say, a distribution structure from retail to office, from office to home, from home to the airport. If you look at to work balance or life balance, you can get rid of the restrictions because it's an integrated level of how we think and how we live and how we work from one space perspective. Yeah. So the zoning and the permitting and may even legislation, and I think the main, the main disruptor now with the COVID is, the uh, privacy security management HR level, which is completely yeah. gone. The next stage will be then rethinking, uh, let's say, performance. I call it performance space. Call it performance space, and it's yeah. temporary or permanent, but it has to be fluent, fluidly yeah. in level of what I need now as a performance. So we have to yeah. be smarter in it. Yeah. And if you yeah. look then to sustainability, this is, of course, a major acceleration to sustainability if everybody's yeah. going to work two days from yeah. home one day near home only travel if you really really have to and from a quality perspective then yes of course then it is 
quality level and everything will change from tourism to business to in the essence i think also getting smarter and better homes yeah. you know you yeah. see something already happening now i think this is also a question that we're getting in um we in in holland at least you know we're not supposed to get back to work until september right but every other measure has been relaxed a little bit cafes are open so what's happening is we're actually skipping the office and starting to mix working from home with mixing with working from cafes and that's kind of the third place right so is the third place now replacing the office and you know do we find some uh, benefits there because social interaction is higher there than it would be at home home is more for yeah. focus you know people are finding their own way now available so offices are still closed cafes are open people are tired of being home and it's summer yeah, and you know definitely i'm tired of being at home as well that's why I'm here today. Yeah. <laughs> but i i, I think i think last point is that we will have and that's maybe a push to the legislators that we will get a yeah. let's say a, a budget it's a budget how to work and where to work and also to get professional work because the difficulty now is of course working from home is that you don't have the right environment for your stabilized level how to work and the only other hand is that and I will say the Netherlands is world champion in part-time working, and we are the top five most productive countries in the world. So we have a kind of free of spirit already that we are responsible and dedicated to deliver what we need to do. Not within a time frame. it's just that we will deliver. And that yeah. is also, I think, a major push in the free, freer level, just create a responsibility level of what you want to deliver and how you're going to deliver it. But the absolutely essence now mm. what we're missing is just being together because that is the absolutely one which co-creates anything yeah. yeah i actually um i, I released the sorry sorry Helen. um sorry. yeah go ahead, Nikki. yeah i released a video a few weeks ago and it was around this concept i called it you know s-a-a-r space as a resource and just really you know i think that we need to just reconceptualize you know what is what is the purpose of space and you know why are we using it and how do you measure its effectiveness? And, you know, really it is at the end of the day, it's about output. If you're productive in the office, because that's how you like working. Okay. If you're productive, you know, working on the beach or at home or at midnight or so on and so forth. Great. You know, and I think what we're seeing now with this acceleration and acceptance of being able to work in a more flexible way by big corporations. I mean, a lot of us have been doing this for a long time. Anyway, there's, you know, I'm, I'm what's kind of, you know, quote unquote, a digital nomad, which means that all I need is my laptop and a PowerPoint. And that's kind of it. And, you know, the technology is cut out for us to be able to do this. And a lot of people already do. So, you know, I think what we need to be thinking about at the moment is not just thinking about, well, you know, we have a new environment, we've tested out, let's see how it's all working. It's like, okay, well, look, Let's reconceptualize the whole way that every organization works, because what we do know is that the rigid, inflexible means of working, you know, going into the office every day, wearing a suit and tie in the middle of summer, raise your hands if that drove you nuts. I know, Herman, you probably haven't worn a suit in years, if ever. Um, you know, that, you know, parents, can't, you know, have problems being able to spend quality time and pick up their kids. If you have a sick day, it's an issue. If you have a delivery, it's an issue. Like the old way of working, the rigid office structure just wasn't working. It really yeah. wasn't working. So now we need to think like, okay, well, what does work for us? What does work for our organization? 
And if it is being able to, um, you know, if it is using a third space, you know, being able to use a cafe, a gym, a lot of the gyms in New York actually have workspaces already. Um, you know, Equinox is quite like a cool gym yeah. brand. They have a, you know, they have they have PowerPoints there, hotel lobbies. This is, yeah. you know, it's a trend. Like, let's be let's be cut out for it. And, you know, I think the very savvy, um, you know, co-working providers and flex space providers have a sense of, yeah, you know, we've seen this coming for a while. Well, you know, started with the baby steps of making it look like a traditional office because it was a large floor plate in the same office building. But knowing that, yeah, it can go beyond this and actually making, you know, what I call an any place workplace and being able to just provide what you need. You know, you need somewhere to make a phone call. You need somewhere to charge your laptop and you need coffee and a restroom. And that's kind of it. Um, but, you know, referring a little bit to one of the concepts that you guys are talking about, which I find quite interesting. Actually, one thing, um, Martin, I will say that was quite lovely when you opened up. You said, um, you know, people go to the office to be inspired and find energy. And I don't think there's many people that would describe their workplace as inspiring or energetic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Except, except for people working from a space to space, of course. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about, you know, this idea of going into the office to have these casual interactions, you know, I, I think, okay, well, you know, you can't force a casual interaction, but, you know, how do you create a conversation? You know, conversation comes from, having a common purpose. So if you're working on a project together, you come together as a team or you have a common interest, you know, which is essentially a social club. So, you know, when you have, cause then you have a reason to come together and congregate. So maybe what we will be seeing in the future of work is more people around interest lines. So in the interest might not Absolutely. be work focus. It might not, for example, and when somebody starts this up, you can, you know, you can give me, you can give me a share of the profits. But it might not necessarily be a co-working space around, hey, this is a fintech co-working space. It might be, hey, this is people that love skateboarding. And that's, you know, they're from all different industries. Yeah. But, you know, these friendships and common bonds are created because you all love skateboarding and you have a reason to actually talk to a person and not just sit in your bubble. So, so that's, that's, that's my pick of the day. Yeah, fully agree. Thanks for that, Nikki. Thanks for that. And I guess um, uh, the, the, the disruption is indeed supporting all the trends that were already at hand. And you gave some great examples. Um, and, and also we addressed, I think, and it was one of the questions, by the way, uh, the, the third places and the merging with third places, uh, like the gyms, uh, like the coffee shops. And I, I, if I remember correctly, even Starbucks is looking at the strategy uh, to re-strategize uh, their, their, their strategy on how do we cope with this new situation and how can Starbucks play a role in that. But looking at real estate strategies and also to you, Martijn, uh, the strategy of spaces, I think, well, what's happening there? Well, what's your take on that? Uh, the, the take, of course, is that uh, be, because of behavior, you have, you have a downfall. Eh? We have uh, yeah. more than 1 million square meters worldwide. Uh, more than 400 locations and uh, also there you have to rethink and the rethink yeah. is now just wait and see one yeah. second one is of course the first month was nobody and uh, we can measure anything so from a prop tech perspective 
we can measure anything. The other hand is, of course, what can you do with it? If nobody comes, you can measure anything. Yeah. Nobody comes. <laughs> the second part, of course, and absolutely, low rises are the most popular places. Simple. Yeah. Do you have a low rise? People will come. Do you have a high rise? After the fifth floor, nobody will go up in an, in, in a, in an elevator because they don't dislike it. The other hand is that we see worldwide there where countries will be having the, let's say, COVID-proof structure where less than 10 per thousand. The behavior is becoming more and more normal. So in the Southeast Asia, we'll see again, we can measure also inquiries, leads and sales. So you see that Southeast Asia is coming up. Europe is doing already better. And every, every smaller city than the large ones. I've followed yeah. the last 15 years, always the AT Kearney City Global Index, because I believe from that perspective that the global cities were the energetics of the new talent and also the way how to gonna live. But I think that the new structure can also be if work from home will be, people will go to villages and start yeah. a place there, have a great office in their place and less commuting and go once a week. They see that travel, let's say in the Netherlands, that travel from a, a province to Amsterdam as their, let's say their global travel. I did it to New York weekly, but now it's then I'm going a day to Amsterdam. And maybe in New York, it's the same. You're going to live in Connecticut and once a week, you're going to go, go, go to the, into Manhattan. So definitely a change of that one. But the other hand is, I hope it is a change. Eh? Space. Yeah. I started spaces for the change, but I also believe that the place is definitely there to stay. Yeah. And for change, we also need, and that's the point we all made, we need some flexibility to do this mass experimentation the upcoming months and years probably to define a new way of working. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, be mindful of time. Sorry, Nikki. We've only five minutes left. So, and we can talk all for hours. I know that for sure. I want to touch upon two things. Uh, one is technology part, um, the, the prop tech world, and the other one is, and it's also one of the questions, uh, and I know Stephanie, uh, that, that's near to you as well, is the mental health. Yeah. And uh, the, the generation Zoom, so to say, and, and, and well, all, all that stuff. So let's go to Nikki first. Um, your take on, 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 on prop tech, and, and some say um, um, uh, this disruption is a pivotal moment uh, for technology in, in the built environment, technology for enhancing workplaces, technology for improving employee experiences, technology for safe and healthy buildings. And before the, the corona, it, it was uh, pushing technology, pushing into the industry. But I guess now it, it's creating a pool out of the technology roles for the built environment. What's your take on this, Nikki? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, just one thing I will add to, um, you know, to Martin's comment before is that what's quite important is to have what we call transit-oriented development. So in addition to everything else, to actually have transportation that connects places is yeah. just incredibly important. Then you can have these satellite cities that connect to a central hub. Mm -hmm. um, but coming back to your point around technology, you know, there are so many incredibly, incredibly um, innovative and robust technologies that are out there. We just look at the adoption of Zoom and, um, you know, the uptake in, you know, tenant uh, management apps and building management systems, etc. Now, the technology has been there, but the need to actually adopt it has always been a little bit of a question mark for a lot of yeah. um, people in the real estate industry because it was seen as a cost. And it wasn't seen um, as, you know, as a um, as a benefit. And now it is essential. So 
you know, the message, I won't go into too much detail around it because we are a little bit um, tight on time. And, you know, we obviously want to just get to that little question also um, for Stephanie to answer on. But I know that there are a lot of people from, um, you know, from the prop tech industry on this call and also investors, etc. And one of the things that I just do want to say and that I do want to iterate is that, you know, the the rules that we knew don't apply anymore. This, is, this isn't even a new normal. This is just completely different. And... Yeah innovation comes out of necessity we design and we invent to actually suit the environment in which we find ourselves and you know stephanie as an architect you know that's that's the way both of us work is we look at the current conditions and we say what is the problem that we need to solve today and i can't even say today you know today's one scenario but what's going to the world is going to be like in six months or a year we yeah. don't even know we just know that it's going to be completely different so the solutions especially from a technology perspective need to be different along with it. We can't be expecting that we can use the same application that worked for the old scenario for the new scenario. So I'm super excited, especially, you know, being in New York, which is just such a creative and innovation um, hub to see what comes out of this because the, you know, the global financial crisis brought about the gig economy. And so let's see what this uh, Corona crisis is going to bring out of it. So it's exciting times and it's, um, you know, and for those that love to create, like, you know, like all of us on this call, there's a golden opportunity for us to do something that's just really innovative, purposeful, impactful, et cetera. So, you know, I implore everyone that's tuned in to actually make the most of this opportunity um, in the yeah. way that we find ourselves. Yeah, I agree to that, Nikki. Thank you. And there indeed is a necessity now, uh, and it wasn't here before. So uh, that's the major force, I think, for the change that's upcoming and the experiments we will all do that are, uh, well, actually in the room, but also on the call and are in the field, of course. Uh, one more thing on, on the mental health, Stephanie, going to that. And we talked about it uh, a couple of days ago already. Yeah. Um, we talk about work, we talk about design, we talk about the balance, homeworking, remote working, we talk about commuting. But what about our mental health? I, my personal experience was the first weeks having all those Zoom calls. I was done. I was out yeah. of it. I'm yeah. completely shut down. What happened? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's again, it's, it could be different for different people. I think, uh, you know, some people cherished working from home the first few weeks, of, you know, before the kind of honeymoon period was over. Um, I also would bet maybe more that those are the people with no kids than the people with kids. For the people with kids, going to the office was a bit of the break, maybe. You know, it, it depends on, on the situation, of course. But for me, when we look at mental health, there's kind of three um, time uh, chunks, let's say. The, the working from home chunk, which was slowly kind of coming out of now, or let's call it the exclusively working from home. So really lockdown. And I think the, the main uh, kind of risk there um, especially within European uh, situations and, and ways of working, is that you're now working, um, educating your children, eating, sleeping, relaxing, you know, all of that in the same space. And, you know, before the conversation was uh, not taking work home or not bringing work home. Well, now work is home, right? You can't yeah. actually get it out. And it's a very simple thing, you know, and, and we're all at least I think we're all kind of uh, guilty of that uh, behavior where you finish your day of work. You know, we were talking about that uh, before and 
uh, raise your hand if you've had that. You finish your day of work and you finally say, okay, I'm now going to just relax and it's like 9 p.m. or something. And you say, I'm going to watch a movie or something. And of course, your movie is your Netflix. Your Netflix is on your laptop. You open your laptop and that email pops up and you answer it because it's a quick thing. Right, Herman is raising his hand. And then an hour later, you're still doing email. And the main yeah. You closed your laptop? No, 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 you're still doing emails. It's an hour later. It's now 10 p.m. and you're still doing emails, right? And you're exhausted. And the point is that this blur that we already had because email notifications, all of that before, could get worse if we don't know where to put the limits. So yeah. the main you know, risk of working from home in this period that's almost ending now was an increased chance for burnout. Um, and there is a number of things that people can do about that. Um, you know, there is a lot of details on our website about it, so I'm not going to go into that now. The second time frame is during um, COVID. So now, you know, some people are going back to work. Some, some companies are allowing 30% of the workforce to get back. It's all under restrictions, temperature taken, distance masks, you know, eating at your desk or uh, in Asia, they're eating behind cardboard kind of screens yep. by yourself punched down and, and you know you look at that and you go well is it worth it would you not prefer really being home and eating your meal like a dignified person you know those those are also those restrictions are great for physical health and they're necessary but i don't think we've had already uh, the the foresight and maybe the chance to deal with the consequences of that on mental health so that's kind of the second the third which we could call post-covid if there is such a thing we might live with that for a number of years but, it, you know, this, we haven't designed what that is yet. So if we are just going back to the office and we're phasing the workforce 30% and a couple of months, 50% and then more, then you're really going back to the old normal. Yeah. I think that's a missed opportunity, right? So if you then have, you know, to design what is the way that we're going to work on in the future, that this is a chance to actually take mental health as an essential part of that question and not an afterthought. Not, uh, you know, we do that and then a few months or a few years later, we realize a new mental problem has emerged, like burnout was the thing a few years ago. And then now, how do we deal with it? You know, prevention is better than curing, right? So, and we know that we've learned from previous uh, extremes of different behaviors and ways of working. So it is, it is a, like a golden chance to take that into account from the get-go. And yeah. again, there, I don't think there is a clear-cut answer. So what I would say is, engage the workforce in a participatory process to ask the right questions because yeah. the questions need to come from everybody and then together through this participatory process and an iterative learning by doing uh, process try and test and try and test and learn and that's really yeah. the only thing that is a kind of a sure approach because the answers are not sure you know we can have a million ideas and we have to test but what we know what to do would be the process of how to approach exploring what the questions are and yeah. what the answers might be yeah, so a golden opportunity for mental health. There's an opportunity, Nikki said already, there's a golden opportunity in, indeed for technology uh, because out of necessity, we can improve uh, the life of the workforce. And there's a golden opportunity, I think, uh, going back to you, Martijn, uh, for the real estate industry to adapt to new business models, to adapt uh, to flexible ways of working, near home working, remote working, but having um, the, the user, the employee at the core of its design and step away from, from fixed, uh, fixed industries with fixed business models going to more fluid uh, business models and fluid uh, designs 
and also uh, like legislation should be fluid to take on this mass experiment. Um, we're over time already for a couple of minutes, I see. Um, so nobody can join the session. Um, so I want to wrap up the session. And, and first of all, I want to thank uh, everybody that's, uh, that's uh, on this conversation and also is asking uh, questions. Uh, we hope um, we addressed many of those questions. I think we didn't uh, address all of the questions, but thank you very much for the participation. Nikki out of New York, Stephanie and Martijn out of Amsterdam, thank you so much for joining this panel on the TNW conference. And it, well, let's co let's continue the conversation. It, it won't be here today, but at another time frame, time slot, uh, in a different place, probably still digital. We will <laughs> love to continue this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And for everybody that's in the room still, um, thank you very much for joining the TNW conference. And if you're curious about TNW in the heart of tech, but also in the heart of prop tech and tech in the built environment, please reach out to us and have a great day and a great conference because there are many great sessions upcoming. Thank you all. Have a great day, great afternoon, or good night. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Bye. -bye.